Hi, my name's Dave, and you're tuned in to Commodity Conversations with the team at Mercado. This week, we have a very special interview with Lachlan Campbell. Lachlan is one of the four founders of a company called ProAgni, along with Fiona Soulsby, Robert Bell, and Warren Lee. And they're producing a product that's caught the eye of a few producers so far, and our attention here at Mercado. Rob is interviewing Lockie today, and I won't give too much away, except to say that the idea behind the product came from watching some kangaroos. But before we get into the interview, a quick market wrap. Cattle numbers to the yards remain subdued with another short week. Prices were firm across all indicators. Some recent rain uh, is keeping momentum in the restocker market. To sheep, and there was a big lift in yardings post the Easter breaks. With the increase in supply, we saw most indicators weakening. The Eastern States Trade Lamb Indicator and National Mutton Indicator both fell around 2%. Meanwhile, race stockers fell 70% to close at 8.32 carcass weight per kilo. On to wool, and we saw the Eastern Market Indicator reverse the previous six-week trend, up 10 cents to 1,370 cents per kilo. In US dollars, it was weaker, largely on the back of a falling Aussie dollar. Lastly, the grains, and this week on Mercado, Nick Booth looked at India and whether they can fill some of the supply gap left by the impacts of the Russian war on Ukraine. In his market comment, you can also read about how the US and Canada winter wheat crops are faring. With initial poor conditions not seen for 20 years, some forecast rain on the cards should be welcome to our northern hemisphere producers. And that's it from me. I'll leave you with Lachlan Campbell and Rob Herman. Great, Dave. Thanks very much. And yes, we uh, we do a lot of good things on Mercado's Commodity Conversations, but today I'm really delighted to say we've got an old mate uh, back with us. We're going to talk about uh, something that's, uh, that is very exciting. So um, let me introduce the CEO and co-founder of ProAgni, Locke Campbell. And Locke, um, welcome to Commodity Conversations. And again, as I say, we're very excited because I've known you for a long time. You have a a very extensive background, but what we're going to talk about today is pretty exciting. So let's get started with the introductions. You can tell us how pleased you are to be here in a minute, but what we're going to talk about is, um, you know, pre-mixes in livestock feed for finishing mixes that really meet the customer needs. So I'm just going to let you start and you can start talking about what you've um, got on the market now, Lock. Hi, Rob. Thank you. Um Look, what I might describe is who Pragni is and what we do right now, and then probably the genesis of how we came to be who we are. So Proagni is currently in market with vitamin and mineral premixes for sheep and cattle feedlots, as well as a series of lick supplements as well that are free of Remensin and Bovatec. Now, the reason that's important is... Um, for our customers, both here in the US and in the EU, and also domestically, the compounds that under, uh, underpin those two, both Remensin and Bovatec, are considered ionophores, or they are ionophores, but they're considered antibiotics. So to give you some sense of context as to where this sits in terms of the general market, given that definition, between 70 and 80% of all antibiotics manufactured in the world go into animal husbandry, and the majority of those go into feedlots. So we've got a couple of problems here. The first problem is we've got a social license problem. So customers 
want to know what their food eats. They want to know that the animals have not been fed antibiotics and that are not contributing to the issue of antimicrobial resistance. And as uh, when we first started in 2016, the connection between ionophores and the use of those over long fed programs for sheep and cattle and uh, antimicrobial resistance was tenuous. That connection is growing stronger by the day, but just as importantly, customers don't want to have um, their protein being fed with antibiotics that are fed on a daily basis, on a subclinical basis that are, that are, are used for growth promoters. So we've got not only a market issue, we've also got a social license issue. Now, given that most of our sheep and cattle are exported overseas, 70% or close to thereof, you probably know that figure better than anybody, Rob. Yes. Um, we've got ourselves a continual problem regarding market access. So in the US where we're starting to see lamb uh, growing at an almost exponential rate, that is the demand for it. And this is really as a, on the back of COVID. Um, and we as producers have been asked to supply that market. Uh, a lot of that lamb goes into what we call the Never Ever program. There's now a series of programs, but there's around about five. Now, that Never Ever program expects um, that lamb to be, to be produced, uh, having never, ever been fed or used any antibiotics in the life of the animal. Now, that is a huge challenge for both sheep feedlot industry here and overseas. And the problem is that both Remensen and Bovatec, or in particular Bovatec for the sheep market, is not illegal. Uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic product. It does the job it's meant to do, and that is manage subclinical acidosis. But the problem is consumers want that out. And if you take it out, you can blow the economics of feedlotting up. So you've had to be, we've had to replace that formulation, that vitamin and mineral premix, devoid of Bovatec, can still get the same animal performance and still create the same economics for feedlots. And so that's what ProAgni has been doing for about five years. And that product is both unique and novel. So it has patents around it. Um, and we started off in one store in Dubbo around about three years ago. We now have a national footprint. Um, both on the eastern seaboard and now on the western, uh, in Western Australia as well. So we're a, a, an Australian startup. We're unique in this space, and it all started with kangaroos. Well, I was going to I was going to come to that because um, that's what that I'm looking at your brochure and it says that all started with the kangaroos. But it was a question that you had, which we haven't gone to yet, and that was that um, kangaroos are four to five more times uh, more efficient with their feed than cattle, but they produce little or no methane. We haven't mentioned the methane yet. Before you do go on to that lock, though, just flesh out a little bit more this economic um, equation that you're, you're identifying, because everything you're saying makes a lot of sense about antibiotics. We know that. We know it's something that we would prefer not to have, but the reason they're used is, is because they improve the economic outcome of a feedlot. Um, yes. That's got to be... We know, having dealt with farmers and people in agriculture for a long time, that you have to make money. You can have all the best intentions in the world, but you have to make money. So just flesh that out a little bit more about how your product works in maintaining that strong economic 
um, outcome for feedlots? Um, look, I'll start from a very personal point of view. I'm um, a fifth generation sheep farmer, uh, a self-replacing Merino flock. I'm still in business with my brother, have been for around about 30 years. Um, the reason I mention that is because at the same time I was... I, I spent the better part of my professional life as, as a consultant. You can't expect or overlay um, social license on farmers and expect innovational take-up if it doesn't make them either the same amount of money or more money. Margins in agriculture have always been thin. They remain thin and will continue to do so. But feedlotting margins are even thinner. And there's two component drivers to the way feedlots make money. The first is the speed at which they turn the stock over. That is the number of days on feed. And the second component part about that is the feed efficiency of the animal. That is the, the amount of resources they use to put on one kilo of red meat. If you were to take out Remensen from the cattle feedlots, and if you were to take out Bovatech from the sheep feedlots and not have some form of ruminal pH buffering that manages what we call subclinical and clinical acidosis. And that comes about because when you introduce or transition animals from grass to grain, they, um, it's a very disruptive process to the rumen. Uh, ruminal pH drops. It drops. Um, the average optimal ruminal pH for sheep and cattle is between six and seven. Human ruminal, you know, our pH is a lot lower than that. It's closer to battery acid. So when we're sick, you know, we, we feel that burning or when we vomit, we feel that burning yep. in the back of our throat. Cattle are far have a, uh, their pH being six or seven, they're, they're a lot more sensitive when you introduce grain that it drops below six into that subclinical acidotic state, you know, that 5.9, 5.8 down to 5.8. Now, when you get to about that level, if you stay there too long, you're into clinical acidosis. This can occur in around about 40 minutes. If you do not have something like Remensen or Bovatech in there or one of our products, or Protect, I should say, then you're into a whole power of trouble. The animal gets very sick very quickly and actually can die. So you've not only got a performance issue, you've got an animal welfare issue. That's why those compounds are in there. Now, at the same time, this is commercial tension to take them out. So taking them out, you create, you can create a whole lot of problems. You just yep. can't do that. So you're going to give the, the cattle and the sheep a bellyache. Yeah. I'm just interested. You, you also have done some tests and some trials where it shows that by using your product, they actually reduce their methane um, yeah. production. Is that yeah. correct? Yes, it is. Yes, it so is. We're getting, so, so, like, we're getting, we're not only getting dealing with this social license in terms of um, the medical people telling us that, you know, we just can't keep using these, uh, these products, um, but we're also dealing with our social license obligations in terms of how we can improve our carbon footprint, or in this case, our meat, call it methane footprint, which, is, which has got to be a good thing. So, your product can contribute to that. Yeah, it, it does have a what we call a carbon inset. There is a claim to one of the ingredients that does help mitigate um, methane emissions by up to a certain percentage. So I think that sits there somewhere between 16 and 18%. Now, but, but the real gains with this are around ruminal uh, efficiency, ruminal fermentation efficiency. One of the interesting things we found through this journey is that a lot of farmers, and we all try and do this, and we manage the drop below six, we're trying to manage that subclinical 
acidotic state. But at the top end, above seven, you get this alkalotic response. And when you get an alkalotic response, a couple of things happen. The first is the rumen slows down. And when that fermentation slows down, mm. you, get, uh, you, you slow throughput down. The moment you slow throughput or intake down for the animal, it stops actually putting on weight, or at least they stop putting on weight as fast. But just as importantly, when you're doing that, when you get that alkalotic state, you provide the perfect opportunity for the bugs in the rumen to produce methane. So this inefficiency at the top end actually yep. creates more methane emissions. So there's a fermentation gain or an efficiency gain to be made as a result of using Protect. And that's we accidentally came up, upon that as a result of the University of New England trials we did a couple of years ago, back in 2019. But what actually ends up happening for the farmer on farm is that once you get a more stable ruminal pH between six and seven, um, you stop what we call um, or you diminish the metabolic deficit that's created as a result of that a massive fluctuation. Change that and you shorten days on feed. And there comes, there, there in comes, or there in part comes the um, increase in efficiency and performance gains. So we're, we're, it's quite clear that the benefits for feedlots, um, but a lot of our listeners are, are farmers. We're, we're just, just lay out the, the value that's going to flow back to them for the, from these sort of products. Yeah, yeah. So, look, you and I have spent a lot of time um, both at the macro level of, of agriculture and also at the coalface, and we often get told as farmers to be more sustainable. Now, the problem with that statement is that I can't push across the table a kilo of sustainability. I can't buy a kilo of sustainability for a certain price and then sell on sell it for an increase in value. So for me, it's an intangible adjective. It makes no sense. But what we're seeing in the market is that consumers um, will pay for four distinct attributes um, from private labels uh, and farmers um, producing in that private label space. The first is consumers want to know what their animal or what their food eats. The second is that they want to know that the animal has been raised humanely. The third thing is that they want to know that we're lowering our environmental footprint. And the fourth is that they want to know that that is true. So they want some form of certification attached to mm. it. Now, for the bigger guys that we um, are working with, that private label, that paddock to plate label, allows them to capture a premium around that that they wouldn't otherwise uh, capture. So they can actually claim there's been reduced methane emissions and there's also we're not using any ionophores or any antibiotics as growth promoters to get this animal um, through the feeding cycle. So what sort of um, results have you had from your, uh, your trials? You've been doing this a little while now and, and I've been, mm. I mean, mm. we, we met with you seems like only yesterday, but it would have been quite some time ago. We yeah. met with you up in Sydney and you explained, you know, where you were then and you've come a long way now, Locke. So what sort of, what are some of the, the trial results you've been getting that have given you the confidence that the statements you're making on your um, your, your brochures and things um, stand up? Well, look, for some of the some of the listeners today, they probably wouldn't have even heard of um, ProAgni and I understand why. We're, we are what we call an Australian startup. And our first initial capital raise, the money's been spent on trials, both here and also in the United States and in particular in Texas. And 
those trials have really been we've had to do that because we're the new kids on the block we've mm. got to we've got to um proof out that what we're saying actually is scientifically valid it actually has statistical validity and the performance that we um are so confident about uh we can replicate now those trials have been done with just recently with department of agriculture and fisheries in queensland with the university of new england um we're currently working closely with Charles Sturt University to set up trials with them. We've also done work with West Texas AMU. Those trials have indicated to us and quite clearly shown that Protect C and Protect S um, is as efficient uh, in buffering ruminal pH as menensin, which is the antibiotic. It yep. is the part of the vitamin and mineral premix. So it's about 1% um, if you buy it off the shelf that goes into managing that subclinical acidosis. You, you must be excited, Locke, that, um, you know, th this initiative and, and the work you're doing is, you know, standalone and is really important. But at the customer level, you know, the big guys are saying they're setting targets, saying that they're going to, um, you know, certainly reduce their antibiotic uh, consumption. And, and as that or their meat that contains antibiotics. So as that sort of gets a bit of head of steam up, uh, we know that just, just doesn't stop at a certain level. It keeps going uh, ultimately till there is none, if that's possible. So you must be excited that you're not pushing a wheelbarrow into a, up a hill here. You know, you must have customers coming along and saying, um, Locke, come on, we've got to keep going with this. When we first started, you always take a risk and you hope you're right. Um, and it's lovely to do what we call proof of concept, but to actually to actually have a product market fit, which is where we're going with the question you're asking, is nothing short of extraordinary. I mean, we're a small team. Um, we always punch above our weight and we continue to do so. Four years ago, when we kind of went to market and started um, making phone calls and knocking on doors, most people wouldn't pick up the phone and we understood why, you know. Why would they take a risk on a, on a, a company that they've never heard of and products that they don't know anything about? But that pull-through or that effect that you're talking about, both from a customer point of view, is also turning up in the financing for a lot of our feedlotters, where there's sustainability metrics um, around financing and the expectation of feedlots and producers to hit those sustainability metrics mean that you can actually negotiate, quite interestingly, negotiate a reasonable reduction in the base rate or at least the risk margin on loans that are currently being written right now. So there's a, there's an additional factor to this and that we didn't see coming. We didn't think that the finance industry would be so facilitative in this change. Well, you, of course, you're, you're talking about risk here and um, mm. you know, financial people are really interested in risk and, and this is a risk, but the positive to it is that um, we're, still, we're sort of ahead of the game here a little bit. Um, and I'm, look, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I'm speaking with Lachlan Campbell, who's the CEO and co-founder of ProAgni. And um, the product that these guys have developed called Protect is the first patented antibiotic-free livestock supplement in the Australian market. And as I was saying then, Locke, it's we are talking about mitigating risk and it's interesting, um, you know, our background and, and you have a bit of a background in this as well, has always been about identifying and mitigating risk. These aren't uh, clearly at the moment financial risks, but they are certainly commercial risks to 
not only individual feedlots, but to our industry. If we don't, if the if the customers get ahead of us on this and we're not up to speed, there is a big risk there. I think the biggest risk we face, Rob, is is uh, reduced market access. Um, yeah. And we're talking very, very significant markets here. We're talking China, we're talking the EU, and we're talking the US. Um, we're expected to feed um, those markets uh, a high-quality product with a green label and still make money as farmers. It's an extraordinary challenge. Um, I, I don't think it's beyond uh, agriculture, nor is it beyond Australians' Uh, to innovate technology like this. But to be able to do it from a standing start like we've done um, is something that is unique. And it's it, and we've we basically had to fight for a seat at the table and continue to do so. Now, these things start with a germ of an idea. Mm, um, mm. Tell us the kangaroo story. <laughs> um, look, it's, it's a gorgeous story. One of my, uh, one of my business partners and co-founder, uh, Robert Bell, um, who's the nutritionist and is who, who is responsible for all the formulations and product development, along with Fiona Salisbury. Um, Rob, went to, Rob went to a conference in 2015, around about August. And, and at that conference, Professor Athel Cleave stood up and basically said, kangaroos don't burp methane or very little of it. Now, there's a reason for that. They've had 20 million years for the microbiome in their stomach to um, manage drought. So they've been able to evolve and adjust to what is, you know, one of the driest continents on Earth. And as a result, they've become really efficient at capturing all the energy. Now, you've got to remember, methane burped out is energy lost. It's a sign of inefficiency. It's a bit like a diesel engine blowing blue smoke. So kangaroos work this out really quickly. Now, they've got what they call a feed conversion ratio. So do all animals. And a feed conversion ratio represents the amount of dry matter that it takes to put on one kilo of red meat. So in the middle of an an Aussie drought, um, my sheep or my cattle are doing somewhere between 20 to 25 to one. That is, it takes them about 25 kilos of grass to put on one kilo of red meat. Now, we all know in the middle of that drought, there is no grass. And so, therefore, their ability to put on that weight is non-existent. So that's why we all hand feed or that's why we sell stock because you're trying to match that carrying capacity to stocking rate. Now, those kangaroos in the same paddock sit under a tree and they do a feed conversion of around about five or six to one, which means... They're not burping out any methane. Now, you've got to remember, my sheep and cattle, as they become more inefficient and as that, that dry grass becomes even more rank, they're burping, out even more in, uh, they're burping out even more methane because their room is becoming more inefficient. Kangaroos don't do that. Kangaroos have this extraordinary ability to recapture that, use that methane uh, as a form of energy source, and that is truly sustainable. Now, no kangaroos were harmed in this story. Not, we're not saying that we're transferring the microbiome of macropods into ruminants. What we are and what Rob did to his great genius is ask the question, what if sheep and cattle could do what kangaroos do? And that's what started ProAgni. The original three founders, Fiona, uh, Rob and myself, uh, incorporated that business in 2016. And we realised that that we had to solve three really major issues in a very different way for farmers. 
The first is to reduce methane emissions. The second is to remove antibiotics as growth promoters from the feeding system. And the third is to do it uh, while making farmers more money. Because you can have a technical you can have a technical solution to all this, mm. which we've got currently in the market. But if you don't have a market solution, then the the idea of uptake of your innovation is next to zero. You can't ask farmers to take on effectively some form of technology that doesn't add value to them because that's what we call a production tax uh, and nor should they. Well, it's interesting how many things you learn on commodity conversations. And today, Locke, we've, uh, we've just been inundated with information. I've got a good friend of mine, Rob Moody, down at um, Melbourne Uni, who's, uh, who has the Gus Nossel seat down there. And he came to me one day when he heard about the kangaroos and he said, why don't you farmers farm kangaroos and not uh, cattle? And I said, well, the problem is they'd jump out the top of our trucks. We wouldn't be able to get them to the meatworks. But this idea is, is, is brilliant, Locke, and I congratulate you. I also congratulate you that it's, uh, the idea has come from something that's uniquely Australian, but it is, <laughs> yes. being now, it is being now developed uniquely by Australians. So, um, look, I'm really pleased that we're able to catch up with you. I look forward to seeing... What happens if anybody wants to know any more about um, this product, Protect and the ProAgni products? Um, there's plenty of information on the website, or give us a call here at Mercado. Locke, great to talk to you. Thank you very much. And I'm sure this product that you're working on deserves an update, at least on Mercado, somewhere down the track on Commodity Conversations. So we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you, Rob. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you share it with your friends or leave us some feedback. Just before we go, a word from one of our sponsors. Meridian Agriculture is a multidisciplinary specialist consultancy established by Dr. Mike Stevens. Meridian 16 consultants spread across six locations in New South Wales and Vic employ an evidence-based scientific approach to farming and a personalized manner with their clients. Meridian specializes in improving both financial and operational aspects of farming enterprises and guiding families through the often difficult transition of succession planning. Head to their website meridian-ag.com.au to learn more.